0: We're going to talk today about our theme, and our theme has been um, the grace of God, about living out this grace, and we were in Ephesians chapter 2 in some of our Bible studies this morning, and today we're going to talk about a a similar thing here as it relates to grace. We're going to call it work it out, right? Work it out. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to turn to Philippians 2. We'll be there in just a few minutes, but typically we like to talk a few minutes beforehand, so feel free to interact with me. it's just one of the ways we work here, so feel free to share a comment or to chime in if you've got a, uh, a request that, that fits with what we're talking about here. So have you ever used this phrase, or have you ever used, had this phrase used on you? Just work it out. Anybody? Or maybe it's figure it out. What I said is, and recently I've said it's uh, not my problem, which really means work it out or figure it out is what I was trying to get at. Okay, so sometimes maybe we use this. Work it out. What do you mean when you say work it out? Or when somebody says to you, oh, just go work it out. What are they trying to tell you? Okay, think on your own. That's good. Anybody else? Just work it out. I'm not going to help you. All right? So maybe in the context of a parent-to-child relationship, a child has a problem with a math assignment, and they can't figure it out. So a parent might say to that child, just go work it out, right? I can hand you all the answers, but that doesn't help you. So go think, think through, just like you said. Think on your own. Go, Go work it out. So that could be one way. Maybe with an employer and an employee where there's a conflict of schedule or something. Listen, boss, I can't be there next week. Because I've got this conflict. And he or she might say, well, you've got to be there next week. You've got to work it out. Okay? Been there? Right? There's been times where I wanted to take off and just couldn't in, uh, in other uh, careers. And that's just how it is. You've got to work it out. You've got to make it work somehow, right? Go think on your own and figure it out. So maybe you've had it happen to you in, in that kind of frame. Or maybe you've got a friend or you, maybe you're a group of friends and you've got a couple friends who aren't getting along with one another. You know, they want to talk to you about it, and -and so-and-so's being mean to me, and -and so-and-so's not talking to me anymore, and you kind of get fed up, and you just say, go work it out. Right? You love her, she loves you, he loves whatever, go work it out. Go figure it out. Okay? Rather than just getting all upset about it, work it out. So the whole idea behind working it out is to go be your solution, or go find the, the fix to your problem. So I want to be very clear here. When we talk about working it out today, we're not talking about you and I being the fix to our problem. All right? We're not the solution here. We're going to see that Paul's going to say, work it out. He's going to say, really, work out your salvation. Okay, But that doesn't mean go be your best answer or go be the solution to the problem that you're dealing with. We're going to have to get beyond ourselves. So, work out your salvation is where we're going to be in Philippians chapter 2, if you would like to, to follow along there. So, it's in your Bible. It's also on the wall. You can track with us today there if you'd like uh, as we read. So, this is Paul writing to... Some early believers, and these are people that he had a great deal of respect and love for. He cared for them deeply. He lets us know right up front, I love you because of your partnership in the gospel. So it wasn't because you make good cake. It wasn't because you show up on a Sunday. It's because you're united in something bigger. You don't just go to it. You are it. You are the church, and you're working to get this gospel out. And it's flourishing. God's flourishing this word in your life and through your ministry. And so he wanted to encourage them to work out their salvation. And we'll see what that means today and how that applies in our life, right? So if you'd like to follow along, we're going to go to the first 13 verses of that chapter. It says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Here's his mindset. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather... Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so it is today we're going to find our way through these 13 verses. We'll look a little bit beyond them as well. We'll backtrack a little bit as well in chapter 1, just trying to understand what it means to work out our, our salvation. So if you'd like to follow along today, uh, I was going to say on your bulletin that we'll have to wait for next Sunday when we have that printed and in your hand, Uh, but you can write these in the margin of your Bible if you'd like to. You don't have to write them at all, but they're there for your help if you would, uh, if God speaks in some way and you want to keep track, All right? So number one, let's work out our salvation with a deep respect for God and a deep respect for, for God's Word. And so initially here for us to be talking about working out our salvation, it means that we have been saved. It okay? means we've been saved. Now, there are those who've written commentaries or those who write books who say what this really means is that you've got to somehow bring salvation to the table, which means God is not able to save. The song that we sang this morning then would be untrue, Christ is able to save. They would say, no, he's not, at least not in part. Work out your salvation would mean that you have to bring some work, some help, some support to the table to make it happen. It's kind of like if you had a $50,000 loan and God was going to bring the 40, you got to bring the 10 to make sure you secure the loan. Does that sound true to you? Does that sound true? Do we have to aid in our salvation? No, we bring no help to the table whatsoever. Okay? So I just wanted to make sure we understand that clearly. This is not about you and I working out the best solution to our sin problem. Okay, so a good thing you always need to do is look at the context of a verse or look at the context of a chapter within a book or look at the context of the book within the whole framework of the inspired word of God, right? Rather than just pulling out a little piece here and picking it out, you can make it say really whatever you want to uh, if you're unwilling to look at the context. So let's look at the context. Who is Paul writing to? Therefore, who? My dear friends, as you have always What? Obey. All right. So here initially, you've got Paul writing to people who are believers. So this work out your salvation is not about this is how you get saved or this is how you stay saved. That's grace. That's Jesus. It's him alone. So what does he mean? If it's not us bringing something to the table, then what is he talking about here? All right. We just want to make sure initially that we know that this isn't written to unbelievers, but to those who are dear friends, those who've already obeyed, those who would be Christians. Uh, so, Paul's not writing again to say, figure this out. He's writing to say, this is how you go about it. And he's going to start with the Word of God. So, let's go back and look at verse 12 in its fullness. And we'll see him mention this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Paul's in prison. Okay? When I was with you, you did well. Now I'm hearing good things about you as I'm in prison. Continue to work out your salvation with fear fear and with, with trembling. So there are two important words here in this verse that help us understand what it means to work out our salvation. It really connects back to that first, uh, first and second line. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, if you remove just the little lines, we're not adding or taking away just to understand context, have always obeyed, you could say continue to obey with fear and trembling. It's the same thought here. Continue to do what you've been doing, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. So what does it mean to fear and to tremble? When the Bible speaks of fear, it speaks of having a deep respect, a deep reverence for, a deep awe of God. So it's I have this high regard for who God is, right? And this trembling also speaks to having a deep respect and a high regard, a great Submission to the authority of God's Word. And you can see this many times in the Psalms. They'll talk about fear and trembling. Trembling at the Word of God. It's not that I'm terrified at what God says. It's that I have a high regard, a deep seriousness, respect for who God is and what His Word says. So again, it's not shaking in my boots. Uh, It's understanding as much as I'm able who God is and what His Word says. So, to be obedient means I must know something to obey, right? I've got to be able to hold to that word. And so, let's see it here in verse 16. Paul writes to them and says, As you hold firmly to the word of life. So, for you and I to work out our salvation, it starts with us as Christians having a deep regard for who God is and a deep regard or a high respect for, for His word. Hold firmly here to the word of God. So, People that tend to not respect a person tend to not listen to what that person is saying. Do you agree with that? Build a wall. You cannot come into our country. See where we're going? People don't respect a man and so they don't care what his word is. Right? Right? So where there's no respect or regard for who God is, you won't care what His Word says. I don't believe there's a God, but I'm going to live by His Word. That just doesn't make sense. And sometimes we get this backwards. Have you ever found something you read something you said, man, that was really good. And then you found out who said it and you're like, oh, I don't want to listen to that at all. Because you don't trust that person. You don't value what they say and yet that seemed right. And sometimes we live that way even as Christians, right? I didn't know that was in the Bible. I didn't know God said that or meant that for me. Yeah, He did. So for you and I to have a deep respect, to fear and tremble, it means we have a deep respect or a high value, high view of who God is and of His Word. So if we're going to work out our salvation, talking to Christians as Christians, we've got to hold God high as He is, know Him for who He is, and then keep His Word in high regard as well. So just think about that for a minute. Like, where do you hold God's Word? Where does it sit on your, when you're making a decision, is it, this is what works best for my life or this is what God says? How do you go about determining whether or not you're going to do something or not do something? Is it, well, God says do this, but I don't feel like I want to do that? Or is it, no, God says do this and we will submit it regardless of how we feel? Paul was writing initially to say, hey, if you've got to work out your salvation, we do, do so with fear and trembling, high regard for God, deep respect for His Word. All right, secondly here then, We're going to work out our salvation as God is going to do some working in us. This is one of the beautiful things of God's spirit, how he works, how he lives, how he makes his way kind of renovating within us. And so Paul's writing here, and he's not going to tell them, work out your salvation doesn't mean go get the job done yourself. It's not save yourself, nor is it change yourself. It's not modify your behavior, okay? Christianity following Jesus is not a DIY project hear me very well, you cannot do it yourself. You cannot change you. You cannot make your heart desire what your heart doesn't desire. I can't change me. Right? And so I prayed just like David prayed, Psalm 51, create in me a pure heart because I can't create it in myself. To create means to cause something to exist that wasn't there before. What is there is a sinful heart. Remember a couple of weeks ago, We said we're the world's greatest sinners. That's all of us, right? And so we're asking God to create in in us something that we just have proven that we can't do on our own. So we're not a DIY project here. And so thankfully the Spirit of God lives in those who believe, and He is the drive. He's the compelling. He's the work. He's the one who's bringing about this change. So let's go back and read this. Verse 12 and verse 13. The end of verse 12 says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. So here again, when you look at something within its context, verse 12, somebody could say, work out your salvation. Verse 13 says, it's God who's doing the work. All right? And so we're this participator in the work that God is doing within. And so God's going to be the The influencer of your desires. God's going to be the energy behind your heart. The one who turns you to love Him with all that you've got. He's going to be the one that shapes and renews your mind. Right? If I could renew myself, the Scripture wouldn't call me to come to the Word of God to be renewed. I wouldn't need God. I wouldn't need His Word. I would just need to change me. I can't change me. And so I need this agent, this spirit within me being the worker change my will to cause me to want to act in a way that will fulfill God's good purposes. And and both of these are necessary. And I want to try to put this in a word picture if we can. So instead of talking about working out our salvation spiritual, let's talk about we're going to work out our legs, physical, okay? Y'all ready? Jumping jacks, do some lunges today, all right? The point here we're going to try to get to is understanding how this works with will and with our, our ability. At least these two things are necessary. So let's say that I have the desire to go work out my legs, but my legs are broke. Can I go work out my legs? No, I've got the desire, I just don't have the ability. Now let's say the opposite were true. I've got healthy legs, I just have no desire. Am I going to go work out my legs? No, because I don't care to, right? You go do what you want. I'm, I'm going to sit and eat and watch this ball game tonight. I don't care, right? Sometimes we act that way and we live that way. So where there's no desire, I'm not going to act on where I have power. Now, where there is desire and the ability, there is the potential for there to be healthy legs, right? But just because the desire is there and the ability is there doesn't mean my legs get healthy. What do I have to do? I've got to be intentional and act on the desire that I have with the ability that I have, okay? So what you will not find here in this text is that randomly, you know, Christians just all of a sudden start getting up out of their pews and walking around. I don't know why I'm here. Just kind of randomly, you need $5. I don't know why I'm giving you $5. Here you go. I guess I'm just taking over. The Spirit has taken me over. He's given me the ability and the power, changed my will, and it's just against me totally. No. He might give me the ability and He might change my will, but you and I still have to be intentional in acting on that desire and using the ability. Does that make sense? So at least those two things are necessary. And God's doing the work here. God's going to change the will, God's going to drive the act. But you and I are accountable to act upon the changed will. To go out and do what it is that He is empowering us through His Spirit to do. So to fulfill God's good purposes means we've got a part to play. I can't just say I've got the desire and I I know the Spirit's in me and I've got the power. I'm going to go home and sit in my lazy boy and fulfill God's purpose for the rest of my life. No, you're not. You and I have got to go act on the changed will To go out and do what we've been empowered to do. And notice here what we're empowered to do. To act in order to fulfill what? His good purpose. So God's not backing you. God's goal is not for you to go out and get the best of you. God's got a purpose in this world that He's going to accomplish. And He will use you and I, but He's not backing my desire and my ability to go do what I want to do that's apart from His good purpose. That would be foolish, right? That would be contrary to His nature. I don't want you doing that, but here's the will and the ability to do so. No. He says here, I will work in you to will and to act in order to fulfill my, His good purpose, not my good purpose. So I have a part to play, right? Work out your salvation. Continue to obey. The example is a man named Jesus, right? All this fits within the context of verse 5. Let this attitude be in you which was also in Jesus. What was the attitude that was in Jesus that needs to be in us? It's an attitude of humility, of submission, of obedience to the word of the Father. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, so he humbled himself By taking on flesh and became obedient to to death, even the death of the cross, right? So that is what we're talking about here. Work out your salvation. Our salvation is not about dying on a cross, but there is a mission that we get to accomplish. We have a role to play. So for you and I to work out our salvation, it means God's going to work in us. But what works in must be worked out. And there can be everything right working in, but it never comes out. But for it ever to come out, it's got to be working in. All right? God works in us to will and also to act. We're going to just stay there, it looks like. All right, and let's go three here. All right? Thinking about working out our salvation. All of this is within the context of relationships. Okay? So when you look at chapter 2, even chapter 1, you'll see that everything that Paul writing about here, it's with the interest of others in mind. So when we talk about work out your salvation, it means work it out in the interest of others. Right? Thinking about other people here. So within this chapter, and we're not going to read all these verses, but you can kind of track, if your Bible's open here, these aren't on the wall, but they're definitely in your Bible. Some things that Paul's saying here about, how we do this, working out our salvation in context with other people, okay? God never asks us just to go love a building, right? Or go love grass. Just go love grass. Man, I just love grass. I created grass and God created grass and so I'm just going to lay on grass my whole life and love grass. No. We can take care of stuff, honor what God's created, but God's greatest creation is people, Right? I've created all this stuff and it's good, but i created people and it's very good. And when I, he created Adam, he said, Adam, you're here with all these animals. Have you ever been out around animals? You guys got animals? I know some of you do. I like to go sit out in a tree sometimes, just out in the middle of nowhere and watch animals. And that's really about all I ever get done. I'm an animal watcher. I'm a leaf, faller, watcher. And an animal watcher. and Typically not the animal I'm looking for. But just sitting there and you see squirrels or you see possums or turkeys or skunks or birds. And it's just cool, right? But you know that we're not part of the same family. Like I'm missing something here, okay? I mean, it's neat and I like being out here, but there's something better. When God looked at Adam, Adam's in the middle of this woods, whatever he was in the middle of with all these animals. And God says, in the midst of all that, it's not good for you to be alone. Right? It's not good for you to be alone. So God creates another person to teach us that we've been created to live within the context of relationship with other people. Not in isolation or not just in caring for other created things, but within the context of relationships. And so we want to work out our salvation with the interest of others. The glory of God always supreme, but the interest of others close in Mind. And so here's some things. I'm going to start in verse 2. Here's some things that it says in Philippians 2 and several verses here as it relates to what we're speaking of. He's going to say, be like-minded and love one another. That's verse 2. Verse 3, do not be selfish or conceited, but humble towards others and value other people. Okay? All this is framed within the context and interest of others. Verse 4, don't just look after yourself, but look after others. Verse 5, have this attitude in you that Jesus had toward others, right? Verse 14, do not complain or argue with others. And verse 15 tells us we're going to shine like stars in a universe around others, right? So it's within the framework of this other way of thinking that he talks to these Philippians about working out their salvation. So salvation is not just a work that's done in you. Are you saved? I'm not trying to bring that into question. I'm just asking you. You know better than I do. Are you saved? You know your heart in these things. All right? So salvation is a wonderful thing. It's one of the greatest things that we could ever experience on this planet. right? But that's just the beginning. That's the start of a process of change. That's the start, initiation of a relationship with God that will last this believer for his or her eternity. So it's not just about a moment. It's not just something that's personal. It's not just something that's to be in isolation, but it's something that's to bear weight on how I think about how I'm going to live, you know, February 5th, 2017. I'm going to live today in the interest of other people. And as we go from this place in just a few minutes, I'm going to walk from here thinking intentionally about how can I show value to other people, right? Working out our salvation speaks to one another over and over. It's like 58 times in the New Testament, 58 different ways we are supposed to one another, one another. So the Gospels within the context of relationships here, and here he's talking about working out your salvation. Let your faith be seen by your works, all right? Live out your faith. Term it whatever you want to. The picture here is that we've got to live this out in context with other people. So let's remind ourselves where Paul is when he's writing. He's in prison, right? He's facing death. This is where Paul writes and says, I'm not sure what's going to happen, if I'm going to live or not. What I know is that if I go on living, it's a benefit for you. But if I die, it's gain for me. All right? Live is Christ. Die is gain. Whichever way it goes, it's a win-win. I'm not really concerned about death or life here at this point. What's his interest? His interest is others. Right? What would our interest be sitting in a prison cell here this morning? Not just sitting in a prison cell, but having the very reality of death just kind of breathing down your neck. I mean, if there was a terror organization that got a hold of us, put us in a prison, we would probably be thinking death is a real possibility here, right? I don't know that anybody walked in here today going, man, death is really a possibility for me today. I might really die today. The truth is, we might, but we probably didn't think that. But sitting in a prison where you know people are thinking about taking your life, snuffing you out because what you're spreading in their view is heresy, it's terrible. I'd probably be thinking about me. I need to hire me a lawyer. I'm going to rattle the cage of this prison as hard as I can, hoping that God intervenes, gives me some kind of supernatural strength to break down a wall and bust out of this place and flee for my life. I'm going to look for shovels, help me dig a hole out of this place, something, just get me out. And yet Paul is working out his salvation in the context of a prison cell with the interest of others in mind. He wasn't swayed by his circumstances. So we've got to be really guarded and protected and invested, intentional in how we work to build and to care for the relationships that God has blessed us with. And you see this here in how Paul addresses these people. This is verse 12, Philippians 2 verse 12. He says, therefore my whom? Therefore my dear friends. Therefore, my dear friends. Listen, don't skip over that quickly to get to the work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Therefore, my dear friends. And these are people that Paul has shared the gospel with and who have received Christ. These are people that he has worked to build. These are people that he has prayed with. He's laughed with. He's shared meals with. He's worked alongside. He's prayed for. He's prayed with. And there is just... Philippians 2 is just he loves this church. There's a beautiful friendship relationship here between Paul and these believers. These are my dear friends. And I wonder as you look around this room, or as you think about maybe the people that God's connected you with, would you say, Man, these are my dear friends? Can we say that about one another with integrity and honesty? Would we say, we attend the same service at the same location. We sing the same songs and talk about some of the same things. Or would you say, no, but these are my dear friends. Galatians 6 talks about us being people who do good. Do good to everybody, but be especially good to whom? To those who are of the household of faith. To the believer. Now, I remember as a child, relationships were easy. Were they easy for you? I mean, it was nothing. Hey, you want to go swing? Okay, let's go swing. It just went and swung, swang, swinging, whatever that correct pronunciation is. And it was like you came back in from recess and you were the best friends. And you went home and you told your parents, I, I got a best friend. And you played with them for 15 minutes. And it's like there was a period in your life where that was so easy, but as we grow into adults and we get more committed and our lives get more complex, it gets more challenging, doesn't it? I mean, life, the stakes seem to get higher, and sometimes we get a little more I just don't have time because I've got so many other things here that I've got to take care of. Hey, let's go swing for 15 minutes. That's all it takes. Maybe we don't want to go swing. It's a little cold out. All right, let's go just get a coffee. Tonight's a good night. Hey, why don't you just come out and watch a ball game? We don't care who wins. Game will be on. we got a ton of food. I just want to be with you. You're my dear friends. I just want to hang out with you. I just want to get to know you better. Right, working at our salvation church, it happens in the context of dear friends. It doesn't mean we neglect people that don't believe who aren't connected. It just means with those we are connected with, we've got to work hard in those relationships to protect them. Because what happens is, when I start living in the opposite of what we read here, my relationships start to suffer. When I'm not like-minded, I won't love you. When I'm selfish and conceited, I won't be humble towards you and I won't value you. When I just look after myself, I'm not going to have the attitude of Christ that's in me. And what's going to end up happening is you and I are going to start complaining with one another. We're going to start grumbling at one another. We're going to start arguing with one another. And we will not shine like stars in the universe. Why? Because we've forgotten how to work out our salvation in the interest of other people. Relationships are hard, messy. Struggle, difficult, but they're so worth it. We've been created to live within them. There's great value and benefit to not only us personally and us collectively here, but to this world. Paul says you shine like stars, man, when you're united as one. So we've got to do everything we possibly can to protect and value to invest to be intentional in the relationships that we share. So he's going to say, work it out. Work it out. Work it out doesn't mean go fix your problem. It doesn't mean be your own solution. You're not your best DIY. The goal here is to have a high regard for who God is, have a deep respect for his word, which means I'm submitting to that. And it means that I'm going to value other people. And I'm going to put their interests above my own. And I'm going to be intentional in developing dear friends, acknowledging those that God has connected us with. I'm going to trust that the work that's going on within me is the work of His Spirit. And I'm going to ask Him to create in me what's not in me, change my heart, then strengthen me with the ability to go fulfill what it is you're asking me to do so I can function in my role. Work it out. Work out your salvation. And do so with fear and trembling. I just wonder how well are you working out this morning well, January tends to be the workout month right then it all goes downhill after that this is when the YMCA and Club Fitness and everybody really starts cashing in are you working out your salvation am I working out my salvation according to the context of this scripture If not, I want to challenge you today prayerfully consider what does this look like for me to work this out? Maybe it means I'm not holding God as high as I should. Maybe it means I'm trying to be my own best answer. I'm trying to change me rather than asking God to change me. It took me a while to figure that out. Us pens tend to be hard-headed people. But when God broke that through and helped me understand you can't change you, what a great day. Just to lean, rest, not have to present myself. Here I am, God changed. You can't change you. Let me change you. Let me change your heart and desires. Let me be your push, your ability. And then go. Go work it out in the context of relationship with other people. Maybe for you today, it's just, I'm going to take this week and I'm going to be intentional in one relationship. I'm going to do something that I've not done for somebody to show them they're a dear friend or to try to create a dear friend to show that there's value here. It won't just happen. Right? And the, the dear friends you have are people who've showed up when you were at your worst, when nobody should have showed up. They showed up and said, "Yeah, you are a wreck." but I love you anyway. They're the people who showed up when you were broken by life. Tragedy happened. I wasn't expecting this, and they're there. It's hard some days to get there. It takes time to be intentional to get there. Maybe your response today is, Lord, I'm going to get there. I'm going to be intentional with one person, one thing this week. Lord, prod my heart. Show me to someone who needs a friend, or needs me in their life to help encourage or build them. And then go work it out.